You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. I'm Christian Babcock, the host of the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. And what we do on the podcast is we talk to disruptive companies in the outdoor industry, talk about innovative hunting solutions that are changing the landscape, as well as offer you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. All in all, I just want to help you become a better hunter by providing you with high-quality knowledge and information that you can trust. Stay tuned. Hey, what's up all the podcast listeners out there? Today I'm going to be doing a turkey recap, um, talking about the most recent trip I went up to Oklahoma on. Um, me and a buddy named Jake went up to north, northern central Oklahoma to hunt turkey. Um, it was a very interesting trip to say the least. Um, I got to see my family for a little bit though. I got to take a couple of days off of work. So really enjoyed that. So, and right here, before we get started, I'm going to uh, drop a little bit of audio of uh, kind of how some of the encounters that we had while we were there. Now that you've heard that audio, you can see that we're in the birds. Um, me and another friend named Jake had actually been up to almost Kansas, about as far north central as you can go, a couple couple miles south of the Kansas border, and we had turkey hunted that for the last couple years and had had decent luck locating turkey, but not as good luck um, closing on or sealing the deal. Um, but that's where we were headed. We were headed up there on a Thursday. Uh, we're going to try to roost some birds the first night and then uh, get after them in the morning. So we went up there on Thursday night. Didn't uh, didn't roost one at all, actually. Uh, found, found a tom track. We were only up there for about an hour before dark and found a tom track. And, you know, what was interesting is a lot of the areas up there that we had had birds on in the past um, had either been burned or were currently burning or one of our favorite spots that we actually got screwed on last year they had cleared about a 30 yard wide by a 100 yard long strip through the timber all the way up into the wheat field where you could actually hunt so any uh exclusivity or any any uh ability to remain hidden back in there or sneak in or you know hope that people wouldn't be on it was definitely gone so those two spots didn't pan out and we ended up going to a spot that we had saw 18 toms on about a month before season last year. It's typically a spot that, uh, that gets hit, hits pretty hard, but it was, you know, the second week of season. So we thought maybe, you know, maybe just maybe there'd be a Tom or two in there that were still wanting it. But after getting in there, we knew that there was, or we saw that there was, um, about knee high winter wheat. Everything seemed off about this WMA this year, whether they were burning or putting in wonky trails, or the wheat was way too high and hadn't been harvested. Um, everything about it was just weird. And so, after spending the whole first day there, we uh, we had walked 16 miles, I think. Had only seen one tom track in 16 miles. And you might say, oh, that's public, that's kind of how it goes sometimes. But, you know, I, I preface that with, we had seen 18 toms in one spot last year. And we had three or four spots picked out on this WMA where we had seen birds in each of them 
and hadn't even seen but one track the entire time. So we spent, you know, an entire day there, um, one night and an entire day there, put almost 20 miles on the boots and didn't see a single bird. So uh, we headed south about an hour, about an hour south. And this was a place where um, a buddy of mine has killed a bird. Um, his One of his friends has shot at a bird. And then a guy that we know has killed multiple, multiple birds in there. You know, and you, I think uh, six birds. And this isn't a very big piece of land. It's about 200 acres. Um, it's kind of tucked back in a place you wouldn't expect it. But so after having high expectations for the first spot that we went up near Kansas, you know, going an hour, hour or two south, we had pretty high expectations for this place just because this is kind of where I got started hunting turkey on public land. My buddy had taken me there and it was the first place I had seen or heard a gobble, the first place I had seen, um, you know, a strutting bird that was drumming and, and gobbling a lot. And that was really cool. So it's kind of the place where I, you know, started to really admire and like turkey hunting. But we got in there the first evening. We walked in about um, about five or six hundred yards. No, more than that. Sorry, about a nine hundred or a thousand yards, and got sat down in a, in a good transition point, a place, and didn't set out a de- or we set a couple decoys, but um, just a really good place where I thought there was a good chance of a bird walking by us if we sat for long enough. So we sat, and about 6.30 in the evening, it gets dark about 8.30, we hear the first gobble, and we're like, man, uh, that's really interesting. So I saw Tom come out on the field about 175 yards away. I was doing some light yelps, um, just not trying to make too big of a ruckus, but uh, seeing if anyone wanted to play, and they obviously didn't. So we let we let those birds, we let that bird walk by. Didn't call too hard to him because we knew we could probably roost him. Heard three or four different birds sounding off from different parts. One across the river, one, one you know, two or three hundred yards away. One to the west, one to the east. We had birds all around us, three or four different ones, and we ended up getting the first bird roosted, and so that was a good feeling. We got the first bird roosted, and he roosted about two hundred and fifty yards from where we were. So we walked up to about one hundred and fifty yards, um, and that clip I played at the very beginning of the podcast. That was the clip of him gobbling uh, right back at an owl call. And he gobbled a ton on the roost. Um, We only prompted him a couple times to just try to nail down the exact tree he was in. Because that can be really helpful in the morning if you know the exact tree he's in. You can kind of look at the topography around there. um, You know, kind of start to guess where he's going to pitch down. And you kind of want to be sitting right in there. Whether you want to use a decoy or not... um, that's up to you, but we did. We tried to use a hen decoy. Um, but anyways, that's getting ahead of myself. So we walked out. We took the long way around, which ended up being, you know, eleven or 1,200 yards, getting closer to a mile through the timber just so we wouldn't bust this bird off the roost because we knew he was going to be there. Um, and so we got out of there, and we get in the truck, and Jake and I are sitting in the truck, and it's about 9.30 at this point, and this bird roosted at 8.30, so that tells you how long it took us to walk a mile, you know, almost an hour. And we were trying to go pretty pretty slow and pretty quiet. So we walked out that uh, almost a mile real slowly, got back to the truck, and it was 9.30, so Jake and I were like, hey, let's." there's a Sonic like eight miles away. We were kind of back off in there a little ways, and 
like, let's just go, let's just go get Sonic, and we'll pull back in this public parking lot. Oh, God, sorry. Um, We'll pull back in this public parking lot, and we'll sleep here tonight, you know, it'll be 11, and we'll just sleep here for four or five hours, and we'll wake up, and we'll go. So we got in the truck, and we were leaving, and as we're leaving, three or four, three or four trucks pull in. And I say three or four because I wasn't sure if it was three or there was more, but at least three trucks pulled in, and each one of the trucks, single file, has their driver's side window down. And it's really weird, and they're kind of blocking the road and because it's just one way in. And so I go past the first guy, and the second guy stopped, and the first guy gets out. And I was really confused at this point because they had pit bulls on the back of their truck, and it was night. And so I'm like, okay, that's weird. Maybe they're hunting coons. And so the first guy walks up to the truck, never looks me in the eye. And I said, uh, you guys hunting any coons? And he said, nope. And he was real short. He didn't say anything back. He just said, nope. And I was like, okay, right here. This is how this is going to go. And he didn't ask me anything, but, uh, how'd you get in here? I was like, what do you mean? I walked, I drove down the public road to get into the gate that goes to the public parking area. And he said, uh, did you open the gate? And I said, no. What gate are you talking about? Because I didn't see a gate at the time. We just drove straight down the road like I've seen multiple other people doing. And he said, uh, well, you drove through private to get on here. And I said, I, I didn't know that. And he said, yeah, you did. Uh, you guys need to get out of here. And that that was kind of a weird situation because Jake and I were by ourselves and there were seven or eight of them and they all had a pit bull in the back of their truck and we were kind of boxed in. So didn't really want to get into an altercation over that. So we ended up driving out, going and getting Sonic, calling the game warden just to check on this one road. Like, is this one road public or is it private? And what we realized is that after two or three game wardens, one said yes and two said no. And the reason being is that these roads that walk down to this WMA, these roads that walk down to this WMA used to be county roads, but the county gave up the rights to the road so that, because they didn't want to take care of them, and they turned them over to the private landowners. And... Basically what this does is when there's only one way to access this part of this WMA and you gate it off and you give the county road over to the private landowners, they can gate it and dang near control full access to the WMA. That really frustrated me because it gives them free reign to go in there and hunt at night and to... I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they're not doing any of those things, but I've seen pretty good, um, pretty good implications that they're in there either hunting those hunting hogs with those pit bull, which you can't do during deer or turkey season. That's illegal. Um, which the game wardens are going to do some sort of investigation about that, which we'll see how that plays out. But um, anywho, the I just saw an easement issue right here, and I just don't really understand how on a WMA that is managed. Um, that you can, apart from a mile, a 1.7 mile walk around the private to get into the place that has a public parking lot, that's the only way to get in. 
apart from a gate that takes you 400 yards straight into the WMA. And maybe some of you guys are completely fine with that because you like walk in or you think it's less pressured, but you would think it's less pressured because of that walk. But the issue is once we get in there the next day, we, Jake and I park over a mile away off the county road back on the WMA, sleep there for a few hours, walk all the way around. And as soon as, and we walk all the way around, we get in there, we left at 3.30. So we got back to the truck after talking, or we got slept, we got to sleep probably 12.30, I mean midnight, um, after going and getting Sonic, after talking to the game wardens, because we weren't trying to just go and, and tell on people for alleged illegal activity we really wanted to really wanted to see on this easement issue is this the right thing can we drive back in here or can we not we decided either way if it was the right thing we weren't going to because these gooners were down there at the moment but anyways walk 1.7 miles in one way by the way that's one way in almost two miles one way and we get in there we start at 3 30 we get in there at 5 30 we get the decoy set up and this bird is hammering he is absolutely hammering on the roost i'm talking like 50 you know 50 gobbles before he pitches down and he stayed up in the tree for a while but 50 gobbles before pitching down and you know i'm giving him some some light morning yelps and and he is he's cutting me off into the first one or two cuts i'm just you know he's just hammering and, you know, at, at about 6.15, which is right around shooting light, because um, I think sunrise is at 6.50. It's getting pretty close to shooting light. Jake's like, behind us. I, I hear something behind us. And, you know, at this point, we've got a bird gobbling his head off. We've got a decoy 20 yards out in front of us, and the bird's probably only 150 yards away. So we're like, if it's a deer, it's a hog, whatever, just leave it. Well, we let that we let that be, and, you know, it gets into, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes later, and I'm like, this bird has pitched down into the timber, which is extremely inconvenient because we know for a fact that he's pitched up off this wheat field the day, the night before. He pitched into the roost off the wheat field. Why would he not pitch back down into, back down into the wheat the remaining morning or the next morning? It made absolutely no sense. And I'm sitting there wondering that, and he's just still hammering, just hammering, you know, just 80 yards in the timber, just hammering. And I was so confused on that. And... So I sat there and I looked behind us, you know, and I was like, oh, I see a hen. I see a hen on the field. And this is probably 70 yards away. And so I could tell it was a hen, but you know when a hen doesn't move for about a minute and you're like, that's not a hen? Well, that's kind of what happened. And I looked at my binos and I saw a stake in the hen. And <laughs> I looked about 10 yards to the left and saw a dude sitting next to a tree. A guy with a face mask sitting next to the tree. So right at daylight two guys Jake now confirms that there's two guys after I hand him my binos and he turns around so he's got a better angle that there's two guys sitting 70 yards from us and they had walked about 30 yards from us um, right at daylight but since we weren't paying attention to them um, we never noticed and if that would have been the case I would have made a much more aggressive play on that bird once he pitched down but him being in the roost and still gobbling and then pitching down when they walk in in the timber, what we came to conclude after talking with some buddies and and just kind of tossing the idea around is that that bird probably saw them on the roost. He probably saw them before he pitched down. And, um, 
that's just a super frustrating situation uh, because, you know, that, that has happened. Not that situation exactly, but on that WMA alone, we had another situation where we were working a bird the, a couple years previously, and he was gobbling 300 yards off, and we worked up to him. And we worked up closer to him. We had him uh, had him strutting back and forth at, at 70, and we saw a, uh, you guys will like this, we saw a ghillie suit um, start to walk behind the bird start to just emerge like a like a grassy seaman start to emerge from the timber right behind the bird um so we got us us calling to the bird and we got this guy's friend calling to the bird who didn't know we were there by the way so there's nothing they could do about this they they're calling to the bird 200 yards to the right of us and then we got one guy on the backside. so we triangulated this bird and we got one dude sneaking up on him with a ghillie suit well the guy shoots at the bird twice and doesn't hit him. But on the third shot, the bird is so confused because of all these hens, go- all these hens yelping around him, and where the sh- he has no idea where the shots come from. So he actually runs closer to the guy to about thirty yards, and the guy finally finishes him. So we had th- this. This is the WMA. This is the same place, and we had people walk in on us at daylight and had that bird pitch down. Uh, so after that. We walked up to the timber, and I was going to take one foot step in the timber and call. Um, but that bird, as soon as I took a one, less, I didn't even have a foot in the timber yet. Um, and this, I just see this bird running left, and he had a rope. He was a good, good-looking bird, but he ran straight left. And we were thinking about going a few hundred yards down and pitching back in the timber and trying to get him again. But after that crappy situation and sleeping two or three hours the night, oh yeah, it was a two and a half hours the night before. And walking all that way after that bird, we were just kind of pissed off. So we went and checked a few other spots throughout the day and had no avail. Talked to some other hunters that were down there. They had some, they had been working some birds in the morning, but the spot we wanted to check, they had already checked and we trusted them on that one. But so we decided to go get something to eat for lunch. And after we got lunch, we went back in that spot and sat all evening um, for four or five more hours. Now, this is the same spot the night before we had 40 or 50 gobbles from 6:30 to 8:30, and had several birds roosted throughout the place and not a single gobble it was a ghost town and the thing was is on all sides of us there was coyotes howling just howling and, and those turkeys should have been gobbling on the roost and they didn't gobble a single time not a single bird on the roost and you know people people being lazy walk in at daylight messing birds up on the roost and hunting them like that it's just it's just super frustrating and that's why you got to know when you're hunting public you're not only hunting and battling the turkey you are just as much or maybe more so battling the other people on public as well and we were supposed to go hunt some private land birds and we tried a little bit before we headed out but no luck so we maybe we would have had a different attitude if we had bagged a couple toms before then but it was super frustrating situation and so after we hunted that evening that same evening um backed out didn't have a bird roost in the morning decided to go to another spot where we thought they were gobbling across the river got up in there hunted that the next morning ended up being about knee high and they were for sure using the private and we hunted for you know a little while longer 
decided to to go home a day or two later after hunting and so we had uh, we saw birds i think twice i think i saw two toms and heard a bunch of gobbles had a cool experience roosting birds and trying to get a bird to pitch down on the roost but it uh it's really frustrating man it it seems like you know with the bird numbers in oklahoma dropping which is starting to become more and more apparent seems like people are getting much more desperate and much more thirsty about the way they're hunting birds you know um just doing it in weird ways i've heard of a story of up near kansas of a of a guy crawling three or four hundred yards through a wheat field to try to shoot a fanned out decoy and the guy we were talking to said you know i, I just let the guy crawl to about a hundred yards and i stood up and said what are you doing and he said you thought you were going to sneak up on a tom in the middle of a wheat field just crawl up to him and he said uh yeah i figured i would and he's like get out of here man and there's been more there's been so many situations similar to that that i've heard about over the last year or two and it's got me a little worried on the current state of turkey hunting maybe not in your state where you're listening but in oklahoma to say the least with the numbers dropping and uh, I would be interested to see how many how many birds we have this year. I know it's was around 120 in the last couple 120,000 in the last couple of years. So we'll see uh, what the numbers actually look like this year or what the harvest is. But just really the indications to me are really seeming like we're really dropping the turkey population uh, quite a bit. I don't know if it's because we've had a lot of floods or the poults aren't living or you know we got a lot of nest. Uh, nest invaders coming in and eating eating the eggs or coyotes getting after the the chicks or or what but yeah it just really seems like the population is dropping quite a bit and um and people are getting more desperate than ever to to get one on private or get one get one on public and so it's an interesting environment out there when you're trying to hunt turkeys now not saying it's unachievable and you know if i would have been a little bit closer to opening day and had one roosted before opening day i would have had pretty good confidence that i could have got a bird but just in that uh situation only having a couple of three or four days we gave it our best shot and sometimes that's that's all you can do and another thing i wanted to touch on was you know i was talking about flooding i would i would definitely encourage you guys if you're if you're seeing wmas that aren't managed well and i only say this because i've seen ones that are managed well and i've seen what isn't managed well and the one we were hunting the second one we were hunting previously in previous years has been managed extremely well um planted in wheat um the timber there was ample bedding for deer um plenty of roost site for turkey plenty plenty of water um good under cover for the turkeys to kind of mill around in through the day and the same thing for the deer it kind of has gone to crap now. Um, I think a lot of that is due to hogs just really tearing up the area. It, it was the worst hog infested area I'd ever, ever seen. I didn't really ever see a hog in there, but from the looks of it, it was just really messed up. And I'd just be interested if you guys, maybe you guys are as well, to maybe reach out to your local biologist of the WMAs. I think on the websites it's listed on which biologist manages which WMA and ask them maybe for a management plan of the WMA. You know, if the WMA isn't getting controlled burns or crops planted or um, brush cleared or, you know, any of those things happening on the WMA, why is that? Is it because funding? Is it because flooding? Is it because, 
we don't have the bandwidth to give this one any, any attention because the, th the reality is when you pay to hunt and you're paying um, your tags and your fees and everything, that money should go to conserving and improving those WMAs. So I got a little frustrated this weekend about that and I don't really know the reason that that one's kind of gone gone to poop, but I'm, I'm going to reach out to that biologist and kind of see what's been going on with it. It very well may not be their fault due to flooding and, and things like that. Sometimes there's just things you can't do to manage WMA when you need to get in there. And the one, the northern WMA we were hunting first was all the spots we wanted to hunt and wanted to hunt were being burned as we were there. And it just felt like a really odd time to burn the WMA. Um, maybe it wasn't. Maybe there was a reason for that. Um, it was weather or something, but uh, it was just a weird, a weird, weird weekend of hunting from, you know, some WMAs going to crap and then other ones being burned. And that one to the north is managed well, so I guess burning late than never is better late than never. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd be interested to to get your guys' feedback and see what your experience is with, you know, seeing how a WMA used to look and how it's improved or how it's uh, digressed. And because I know I've, I've definitely seen both uh, while hunting in Oklahoma. But I think our plan next year going forward is just going to be trying to get a bird on private first. Really, uh, not that there's pressure to kill a bird, because I really don't think there's ever pressure. You, The second that you feel pressured to do it, you probably should quit doing it, because I just do it for enjoyment. But I think killing one on private and getting a show and enjoying hunting unpressured birds would be a very good experience and then would really ease the nerves of going and hunting public and just knowing that um, the fruit has already been harvested and you've already enjoyed your hunting for the year and this is kind of just as cherry on top because I think uh, I think it was a, definitely a little bit of pressure this year to get it done in a very condensed time frame and especially being down in Texas it's a uh, it's hard at times to uh, to get up to Oklahoma to hunt and there's not a lot of public around here so uh, the pressure was definitely on, but, uh, enjoyed it to say the least. I still really enjoyed it. Got to, got to take Jake out. That was his first time hunting turkey on public and we got to see him gobble their heads off and that's always fun to watch. So it was a good year. Um, hunting public's tough. Uh, it can pay off. I would, uh, I would definitely recommend if you guys are going to do a public trip to a lot more than three or four days to hunt in a row, you know, cause you're not just battling the birds. You know, sometimes you're battling the weather. Sometimes you're battling people. Sometimes you're battling the ability to walk back in very far into a place because they've been pressured. Um, just know your area. Know the season you're hunting. Know how people have hunted the area uh, in the past if you've hunted there before and adjust accordingly. I wish we would have had a little bit more time, but it was a it was a really good trip all in all. Uh, learned some things. Uh, definitely got to see that uh, public has not gotten any easier since I started hunting it, you know, eight or nine years ago. But uh, I hope you guys are having a good turkey season. Hope everyone here but me has harvested a bird. And I hope you guys continue to have a good turkey season uh, as it wraps up here in the next coming weeks for Texas and Oklahoma. But if you're in a northern state, maybe you're going to go till mid-May. I hope every single one of you kills a big old long beard and. Uh, um, I'm going to try to do more podcast episodes in the future. Um, kind of been feeling uninspired in a way, uh, not being able to get out and hunt very much. So haven't had a whole lot of things to talk about. 
but I want to bring some uh, bring some guests on and start talking about some different subjects throughout the summer, just similar to what I did last summer. And uh, two, while we were on this trip, we actually Jake actually spot and stalked a hog and got within six yards, and we got it on. We got it in 120 FPS slow mo for a video we're gonna do on YouTube, releasing next week, probably mid next week. So be looking out for that. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, that's where we're gonna be posting all the video content. Um, it's just Hunter's Advantage. Um, it's just our HA logo. So um, definitely subscribe there for video content. We're going to be posting a lot of video content there. Maybe do some gear reviews um, and things like that. But anyways, thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. I hope you guys are having a really good turkey season. And I hope your season has been a lot more fruitful than mine. Peace. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for consuming the Hunter's Advantage podcast. We really appreciate it. And we really do do the podcast for you all. And just to stay in tune with that and what you guys want to hear, feel free to message us on Facebook or Instagram on who you would like to see on the podcast next.